Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Jim. Um, we are live on all channels. I think Jim. Yeah. Jim's getting the Insta and um, TikTok. TikTok. And Instagram. TikTok uh, welcome to TikTok and Instagram yeah. viewers. Um, we're live. Richard. I will say. Afternoon. I will. I will say though. Um, if people want to be quite interactive with us, we, we shared uh, the spreadsheets and things last week. If you do want to be interactive and actually see that, probably the best place is our YouTube channel uh, to follow and the whole. Uh, playlist for the Wealth Creation Show and obviously our mini-series of the Diary of a Property Investors on there to follow. Anyway, so just to pick up for last week, Jim, um, we were still concentrating quite uh, a lot on um, the business venture that you had with, uh, obviously, yeah. a state agency yeah. and the repercussions of that, obviously, because you entered that without maybe your risk analysis and complete planning and thinking time um, and mm -hmm. enter that. Um, so you were dealing with that. We took a wee bit of time. We stopped to obviously look at your purchases as you were still purchasing as an investor in your own right. Um, you have obviously purchased quite a lot of flats and properties and things in that time. So we stopped to have a wee chat about them. Um, but we're still obviously at that stage where you are dealing with the responsibilities of the business and things and all your yep. financial and legal and legal uh, responsibilities at this stage as well and how that was having an effect on you in a professional capacity and obviously your personal capacity as well um and all about how obviously you accumulated wealth but then you've also at this point where you're starting to lose quite a lot of it um so and that's kind of where we left off last week um so picking up today yeah. I'll let you I'll let you lead off for where you want to pick up from today. Jeez, I'm trying to think where we left off the last time. I mean, I know, I know what I was thinking about. And I'm quickly I'm quickly looking at when did when did I buy what and when? Uh because yeah. we were going to talk about the back to back stuff. And I'm just looking Yeah, well that's the last thing I've got is back to back. We spoke about back to back and you can't do back to back now, but at the time that was something you've done a lot off uh while building your uh, portfolio yeah. at a certain time um and it and it was uh instrumental in obviously building your portfolio so let's talk oh, about that kind of do back to back um yeah. it does it does work to a certain degree but you've got to have a bit of money behind you in order to do that but let's let's you recap where we were you know yeah. Durinston drive was probably the last place last place i yes. bought in Turcotti. Um, and, and that was in 2007. I'm looking at my spreadsheet, so I'm yeah. looking at me because I'm looking at my spreadsheet. I've got spreadsheets and notes and <laughs> everywhere because I'm trying to collate where I was with this uh, and I'm trying to remember, uh, remember, remember the 5th of December. I reckon 5th of December, as far as I'm concerned, because that's when I'm born. Anyway, um, so we're 2007 is Durrington, and then I tell you what, I stopped for a couple of years, I stopped actually buying, but why did I stop? I hear you ask. Yeah, I was just going to say, why did you stop, Jim? Good question. Good question. Why did I stop? Um, I stopped because I took my eye off the ball. Now, this is the shiny penny um, I talk about, uh, and I used to, I used to get, I used to get, I used to get this lesson taught to me by my mentors about the shiny penny, and I was like, what are you talking about? Or, or they used to talk about a chair, and in, in front of you. And what, what used to happen in, in, in this example that they used to talk about, they were walking along in a straight line. So they were actually showing me, they were walking along, there's, there's where I'm right now, there's where my goal is I want to go. So they used to walk along in a straight line, and then all of a sudden this chair would be in the road. And it's like, okay. And then they would start stop and look at the chair and admire the chair and talk about the chair. And I thought, okay, where are we going with this? <laughs> Let's get to the point here. Um, and I was got frustrated about it, and they said, "No, no, no! This this is a nice chair, and it's a good chair. It's a shiny chair. You can sit on this chair." And uh, and this was the shiny penny story. This is the fact that you know I I know it now as you're walking along the road, and all of a sudden you just see this wee shiny penny on the ground, and you know where you're going, but all of a sudden you start you start to focus on the shiny penny, and you go down to pick the shiny penny up, and then you start looking at the shiny penny and go, "Yeah, okay." But remember, it's actually distracting you from where you're meant to be going. And yeah. this is the biggest challenge for me, shiny penny. Remember, I'm distracted already because I've taken on something that, in hindsight, I probably should never have taken on. Mm -hmm. um, in hindsight. However, 
we are where we are, and uh, that dis- that decision at that time was it probably still is the right decision now, um, because I wouldn't be where I am, and it would be frightening. This is where I, this is where this is another lesson I learned. I'll come back to the shiny penny in a minute. I'll go round this. It's the thing that I don't, don't understand the most, and most people hear me out on this, but it's a classic example about. When somebody goes on and says, "If there's anything, was there anything that you ever regret doing in your life, um, and would you change it?" I immediately pop into my head and go, "Okay, if you've got kids, the answer to that should be no. <laughs> yeah. If it was, if it was before your kids, uh, because the answer to that should be no. Because in my timeline, in my world, it's the butterfly effect thing." Yeah. It, the decision that you probably wouldn't have made then, that you made to have your children, maybe means that your children would no longer exist. And that's how I look at things. See how I look at this bigger vision, this peripheral? Yeah. I look at the bigger picture rather than actually looking at the isolated case saying, oh, I'd love to get rid of that out of my life. And it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> everything, everything that's happened to me, whether it's been a failure or whether it's been a success or whether yeah. it's been just nothing and wasted my time, has brought me to this point in time. I would 100% agree with you on that. I do no, think that... And I, celebrated. Yeah, I do think that whether it's a mistake um, at the time or whether do you think it's a bad decision, if where you are right now is a good place and you're happy, and like you say, if you've got children and things, then everything that you've done leading up to that has, has got you to that that point. Yeah. Uh, so, what, so you wouldn't change anything. And, and I, I've got the same kind of mindset on that, definitely. And that's where you go back to the your penny. So we yeah. go back to the shiny penny story. You're standing there, and it stopped you forgetting where they are. So what happened was, Century Twenty One became a shiny penny, and unfortunately, it was a shiny penny I locked myself into for the next five or six years yeah. by contracts, by leases, by agreements, by cars that I committed to financial obligations. Yeah, but all in my name. So I had to ride this out and make the best of the situation I was in there now. Now, bear in mind, I'm still not earning any money from this business at all, and it's cost me money every single time to run it. And and, it, and at this point, um, it's it's probably at the point, I think, where, where now my business partner has, has now left, because they really had no commitments, and they were a man of straw. Um, mm-hmm. So therefore, them walking away meant that they wouldn't pursue them for anything, really. You know, but me walking away, I've still got a, a fair considerable amount of wealth um, there, and 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 the very fact that the moral obligation for me is like if I if I stick my pin my colours to the mast, this is just how I think. I don't know if anybody else thinks like this, but if I say yes, I'm going to do something. I am going to do something. It's like I I am I do not I do not say yes, I'm going to do it, and then say, oh, I've been thinking about, it. I'm not going to do it now. It's like no, I am doing it, even though it ends up worse for me um, in a certain situation because. I pin my colour to the mast. Yeah. And nothing else changed in that scenario. I'm the one that's reneging on the contract. Therefore, I'm the one that's basically, as far as I'm concerned, is immoral. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like morality and your word is your bond. For some people, just don't count for anything. They just think it's okay to say, yes, I'll do it. I had it recently with someone. They said, oh, if you if you do this, if you do that, if you do this and that, and, and I'll do this for definite. And I went, okay. I will make sure you're first in line. I will make sure you get this. I'll make sure you will get this place, this property. Mm-hmm. And then then I, I, I teed it all up for them. And then they came back to me and says, oh, actually, somebody's maybe staying one in the corner and I'm, I'm probably going to go for that one now. Sorry? <laughs> I've just got this all sorted out and I've lined this all up for you and you've just basically reneged on, reneged on that for no reason at all. So it was kind of... It's kind of difficult, but then it also learns a lesson that, you know, you can't put your own beliefs on someone else because that's just not how the world works. That'd yeah, be nice. I think it's a, it's, a, it's a big life lesson when you suddenly realise that everyone's maybe not got the same outlook or the same morals or the same, do you know what I mean, take on things as you do. And you yeah. expect at some point in life, you do expect everybody else to be the same, and that's not the case. Yeah. I, I definitely think that was that was the issue behind it. You you do you do actually think, and it's the same for everybody out there. And you have yeah. to understand this. Tony Robbins talks about this all the time. You know, your belief systems are what you put on someone else. You actually attract another person that has the same sort of beliefs and core values as you. 
yeah. but you don't realize that's happening and that's why you have a tribe mentality um there's other things in other situations though where i spoke to ian about this this morning how how certain property trainers actually attract to vulnerable people who don't really have a pot to piss in but want a better phrase and they make them believe that they could become a millionaire and it's like out with nothing with absolutely nothing mm-hmm. i'd be amazed that the the people that come to me and say you know i need your advice on how to do something i'm like have you got any equity have you got any standing in the community have you got any friends and the answer to every single one of these is no one i'm thinking you're never going to be a millionaire yeah. then you've got no chance because it's you it's the problem it's no one else yeah i had it recently well there's you as the problem no one else i had it recently where you know a couple of people decided to go with another agent and i'm like what did i do wrong here because clearly i know i exceed and excel way above everybody else i'm not even on the same pitch as everybody else they're not in the same pitch as me when it comes to selling property and negotiating property and getting the yeah. best price so what is it i've done wrong and i've failed to communicate to them and i realized what it was i hadn't and demonstrated that, it clearly i just took it for granted um that they would they would, they would know yeah yeah this comes back to this comes back and this is a wee life lesson as well this comes back to the athlete that trains every single time so i took a break during the the, the november period and you know, in December a wee bit as well, I took another week off in Spain as well. And I, but I was working, but I wasn't going out constantly to pitch to people to get their business. I went off the boil because of that. And I've now realised that's what's happened. I went off the boil. I, start, I stopped doing certain things that I would usually typically do in my pitch every single time. And lo and behold, the last two people that I went to see went with someone else. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense at all. Um, what have I, and that's what it was. I'd failed to communicate certain parts of that in the conversation. I'd failed to pick yeah. up on it as well. But that's training and developing every single day and doing it day in, day out in order to be the best at it. Why do you think golfers train every day? Why do you think the athletes, the swimmers train every day? Every single day they do something to further their career or what they're wanting to do in terms of winning Olympic, an Olympic gold or Olympic medal. And they train every single day for that reason. It's a discipline. So why should I not do it? And why should everyone else not need to do that either? You'd be amazed at the amount of people out there that think they don't need to do that. It'll just happen. If I manifest it. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not going to happen like that for you. If I think about it a lot, if I put charts on my wall and all the rest of it, it's like, it's going to happen. It's going to come to me. No, it doesn't happen. You need to make it happen. Unless you make it happen, you have to take action and do something about it. That's what the point is. Yeah. Somebody says, what are we talking about? Wealth creation. <laughs> we're talking about my property journey as well, actually, how I lost my first million um, after I gained my first million. Um, so we're talking about that and we're talking about property investment back to back. We're learning life lessons in between as well, just to, to play the catch-up game for that person. And anybody else who's actually watching. Uh, so that was a lesson in itself at the fact that I was left holding the baby um, with no income at all. But I managed to survive on my property income because I had money coming in still. So thank God whew, I built my property business, my property yeah. empire at that time, because I had that income coming in. And that's what we survived on. Otherwise, I would not be in this position today. I would have probably had to just fold and call it a day and Close for a bit, I might be wanting for someone else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hi, I tell you what though, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna decry that. I, having a having a job you love is absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. I loved being an in industry. I loved being a financial controller in manufacturing because it just floated my boat about processes and systems. And understanding how things were made and how they're manufactured. There's nothing more exciting than being in a manufacturing business. And I would go back to that in a heartbeat if I, if, if I chose to. However, there's a bigger picture I've got to achieve now. And that can't be part of it anymore. But I tell you what, it was great. It was it was fantastic. And and it was it was a real worthwhile job actually manufacturing and producing something. I mean, we used to manufacture at Philip Russell. We used to manufacture all the cars in Trivial Pursuit. We used to manufacture oh, yeah. 
we used to manufacture the um, cigarettes, the packets for um, Johnson, uh, John Player Specials. So we used to manufacture the board for that as well. We used to manufacture the cover of Yellow Pages. The cover, not the pages, but the cover. Yeah. So the board that actually went into that, that used to be that used to be Tillis Russell that did all that. You know, all these different things he used to manufacture. And I love that about it. Uh, that's why I love doing the manufacturing. And then Macintosh was all the school defects. So we did all the schools in Scotland, more or less. You see furniture in that school. That was the company that I helped run at the time. It manufactured all these carcasses and worktops and everything for these schools and fitted them. That was Macintosh. Now, for me, that's something to be proud of because it's something you've actually helped achieve. Whereas, yeah, opening a door for each other and service-based industry, yeah, it's great, but where do you add the value? That's what that's what it comes down to. That's what wealth creation is all about. Where do you add value? Where do you fit in? Or are you just opening a door for someone and putting your hand out and expect to be to be paid? Yeah. That's you know, why would you not want to do that in the best way possible? That's maybe just my mindset. No, no, I could, I could understand that, yeah. So if you want to be the best, if you want to do something, then make sure you make sure you you be the best at it. Be the best at it, work towards being the best at it, and, and drive that through every single day. That's what will rise you to meteoric success in everything that you're doing, not just what you're doing in there, but everything outside of that, because you, you can't really, you don't really differentiate your work from your home life, I'm amazed that people would say that. Uh, well, they're probably broke at a different level and they've probably not got any money. <laughs> they're probably up to date in their eyeball, up to their eyeballs in debt because they say, oh, I've got, you know, no, no, when I go away from my work, that's it, I switch off. And I'm like, well, I can't imagine you'll be that successful in terms of the 1% group in Britain, mm-hmm. the top earners. I can't imagine that if you're going to be like that. And anybody that goes on, Instagram or whatever it was and LinkedIn and says, no, no, I switch off and I don't do it. It's like rubbish. You're not telling me you don't switch off because I tell you what, in order to be the best at what you are, you have to be on it all the you time. You have to do that, yeah. It has to be part of you. It has to be part of your core. And what I mean by part of your core, and the, the, the classic example is, I used to say to everybody, if you, if, I'm, if I was a thicker rock, okay, and you sliced me in two, and you read that in between, it would say fiveproperties.co.uk in it. <laughs> <laughs> if I could get five properties jammies <laughs> and <five laughs> pants <laughs> and trousers and outfits, I would wear them every single day. Why do you think I run about in a branded car? It's not yeah. to show me off. It's just like I'm proud of what I do. I love <laughs> what I do. Um, but I love property investing as well because it helps other people and and it develops wealth so I can help other people. Yeah. You saw it yesterday. I put a post on saying I'm climbing up Tootbal. Yeah. Um, and Tootbal is, I'm, I need a charity to, to, to do it for because I kind of thought I may as well just do it for a charity when I'm doing yeah. it. Yeah. Some funds for someone. But at the same time, I mentioned about the fact that if you miss out in the first round, don't worry, because we're looking to give away £35,000 this year to charities and causes in Fife anyway. So just tag yourself in there and mention it. Now, where do you think that 35000 comes from? It's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> it's what we're doing every single day. It's what our business, that comes from there. So the people that use us that we make money from, we actually give most of, back that, into the community, yeah. most of that back of what I earn into the community for that reason. It's not a tax dodge. It's nothing like that at all. Because I, I can no. hear the cynics out there going, it's a tax dodge. He's up to something. He must be, you know, all these different things. It's not. It's the very fact that there's only so much that you can make. And the rest is just for show. I'm not a show person. No, and I think, as you've demonstrated and, and discussed before, Jim, obviously, you're, you're Pfeiffer through and through and, and quite proud of that. And, and your local community within, like, obviously, Leavenmouth and surrounding areas um, is what you want to give back to and, and make sure that it's uh, perspiring throughout the, the coming years. And obviously, especially times like now, uh, where things are difficult. If, if everybody really, truly understood and got into my head and understood what I said, every single person would be using us to sell their house in Fife. They would never use anyone else again. And that would be a great situation. 
because mm-hmm. imagine what we can do for other organisations and charities. Yeah, I, don't, I, I genuinely don't know other organi- other businesses that actually do that. There is other few and far between, but I don't know very many estates of any actually do that um, because they don't have that mindset. They don't think about that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's go back and talk about this. Yeah, we were. Well, you had said obviously you took your eye off the ball in terms of your own um, portfolio and buying and things, but uh, leading up to that, you obviously and and after that kind of blip, you were doing back to back. And you would think if you want to just kind of explain back to back, Jim, just for people who aren't too sure, because like you say, you can kind of do it now, but it's it's not uh, like it used to be. But so back to back was a real easy thing to do on the day. Back to back was you bought it, yeah. You then sold it to your partner on the same day. They got the mortgage on the on the property. So I bought it for sixty thousand. It was really worth ninety thousand. I sold it for, to my wife for ninety thousand. She got the mortgage on ninety grand. We have no money in the deal. Yeah, that's how it worked. That can be still done to a degree today, but the banks insist that you've got to wait six months to do that, and you've maybe got to demonstrate at some point in time you've added value to it. Now yeah. they were okay in the beginning with back to back because the, the, you know it wasn't really a serious ramification of the credit crunch, so they were fine with that. And then then. The thumbscrews got tightened up by the regulatory um, body and the financial services regulatory, or whatever it's called in now in this country. Um, and they said, no, no, you can't do that anymore because that is leaving yourself open to potential negative equity exposure. So this yeah. is where I think 2014, where it got it got phased out for that very reason, because the you know the stress testing came into place. And I'm sure that came in at the same time. Therefore, back-to-back was no longer able, you were no longer able to do it. But when I did back-to-back, it was like, my God, I do remember um, a few of them, and I'm looking at some of them here um, subsequently. I mean, I was, you know, we were locking in at at least 17. You were buying, you were buying possibly, um, well, one of them here, I bought a two-bedroom. Incidentally, you live in it now. (laughs) That's at my place, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I actually bought that for uh, 60. Yeah, I bought 60 it for 63, but I did yeah. a back to back to 80 on the same day, and the mortgage was obviously a percentage of that. So basically, I really had no money in that deal. So yeah. I was able to do that, but I took initially £40,000, and, and I just did it back to back and fed it all the way through and made it work. Um, remind me about the inland revenue and what they, whoa, wait a minute, they popped up and said, what are you doing? <laughs> it's like you're making gains and no paying tax. <laughs> however, however, that was one of the ones I did. And then I did another couple as well. Um, uh, you know, another one in Buckhaven, I did a back-to-back. Incidentally, the one in Buckhaven was a repossession. Now, I bought that in Buckhaven in what is the bird scheme in August 2009. Yeah. Now, this is another thing that you have to be prepared to do. And this is a wee lesson I learned. I would never have got that property for that knockdown price. This was a three-bedroom, and it had a bedroom which wasn't a, wasn't a, it wasn't approved for upstairs to be a, a, a bedroom and an on yeah. But the person had put some makeshift stairway up into it and actually did this. Now, they got the house repossessed. Um and it was through another. It was through another organisation, so I was able to then go for it. I saw it come on. I immediately jumped in there. Now, it was on the Friday. I jumped in when I saw it come on, and I was due to go to Pitlochry with the kids that afternoon for the weekend. Now, most people would actually just wait till the Monday and come back on the Monday. I'm no most people. I was there straight away. Made the appointment. When can you meet me? Da da da. I took the camping gear and the kids with me to the viewing before I went to Pitlochry, did the viewing, agreed the price, job done. Got it before everyone else. Now, yeah. most people would wait till Monday, and that's where you leave the door open for someone else over a weekend. You either lost it or had to... Yeah, the deal was done. So what I did with that one is I actually bought it for 75 uh, did a back-to-back. Well, actually, no, I didn't. Eh? Yeah, I did, I did, and I didn't. Uh, bought it for 75, managed to get the mortgage at 80 at the time or something like that. Some, uh, and, and then what I did was I also did a further advancement later on. 
So I actually got a bit more out of it for a further advance, and therefore I had no money in it at all. Uh, that was another one. But I'd spent maybe five grand making that compliant for that upstairs room. Mm -hmm. And that added about £15,000 on it. Yeah, I was now, going to say because that's at a good price point now, and you've you've got uh, you've made quite a good, a lot of good cash flow from that over the years. But we've we've got it, we've got it on uh, we've had it permanently rented since then, yeah. mm -hmm. and it's been rented for a real good amount all the time. So think about all that from two thousand nine to now. Um, I mean, even five hundred pound. So five hundred pounds, six thousand pound a year and rent. Six thousand pounds times ten years, there's sixty grand. I only want for seventy-five. Yeah. Now, people out there could immediately jump in and go, ah, oh, but you've got your mortgage to pay, you've got everything else like that. I but I wouldn't have had it in the first place anyway. So it's better to actually have the additional costs than not have it at all. What's the phrase? 30% of something is better than a hundred percent of nothing. Yeah. Plus the fact I own the asset and the deficit destruction of Mortgages means the mortgage was extremely low in comparison to what it is in, in the value today. Therefore, there's a huge amount of value locked into there by me re re making sure that the top was compliant and it was all passed through building control and building warrants and done properly. Yeah. That was market did that as well for me at the time. So that's what it is. I'll tell you what, though. I heard an interesting statement the other day, and it said uh, there's two parts to success here. One's having it. And one's actually surviving it. Mm -hmm. And it's true. It's amazing how many people get so successful. It you know, ends up being their demise. Well, look what happened. The Midas touch. Yeah. It's like, oh, I've got the Midas touch. I could do anything. And like, oh, well, bring yourself back down to earth. You've not got the Midas touch. You've now found that out. But unfortunately, you're locked into all these, these leases yeah. and agreements and cars and all that finance so you've got to you've got to grind it out now that's what you got for sticking your neck out and saying you've got the Midas touch um, and, and like you say jim you obviously at the time had your property investment portfolio which is just kind of side hustle obviously yeah. if you didn't have that that would have been your demise because you ended into that without um Richard, I, I would hate to think where i would be if it wasn't for the yeah. property um, and the additional income that i did on the side remember that was that started off as a side hustle yeah. See how that can build up over the years. Now that started off in early, that was mid-1990s. So now we're on 2009, we've hit the credit crunch. We are literally, we are literally over 10 years in. Mm -hmm. 10 years in, I've developed something. It saved my saved my skin, basically, financial skin, and and kept me on track. And and but I tell you what, mentally it was a big, big toll. You know, we're still comprehending the fact that I'm still building this. I'm locked in these deals. You think of the mind, the mind space you are when you're in this, because you're locked in these deals. You can't get out, and and it's becoming more and more apparent. And there's no light at the end of the tunnel, and you're on a hamster wheel for the rest of your life. Yeah, that's what happened to you, and it, everything narrows in, and that's where depression starts to set in. That's where you start, and I, and I don't mean oh, I just feel, I just feel depressed. I mean chronic. I mean like <laughs> clinical depression. I mean like it's hardwired into you now because you've you've basically burnt the candle at both ends and in the middle, and there's no candle left to burn. Yeah. So this is what happens over time, and then what happens is most people then go to you, you use the drink to try and control it by saying, "Oh, I feel really happy because I've got I'm, I'm, I feel free in my mind." It's like, and then the next day it's like, boom. <laughs> Boom, back to reality, plus the fact that what drink does to you, it brings you right down to the bottom uh, and worse uh, and worse. So you could you could easily see how the dark spaces start to appear and the dark thinking starts to appear as well. And you're, you're constantly on a hamster wheel. Um, but it's amazing at that time. Remember when I'm in that mindset, I'm still doing this. Now, the reason I did that, the back to back, was I attended a, a, a weekend seminar with a couple of guys who first started out. Um, and most people actually know them now. It's actually Rob Moore. All right, yeah. Aye. And, and, he, and, and he's, he's sidekick. So I know he does. I know he does a lot as well. They're both here. <laughs> he's sidekick. But when Rob, stood, when yeah. Rob started out, he didn't have a clue what he was doing. But I tell you what, I, I was probably more informed than he was. <laughs> in the room and i think he was quite he was quite intimidated in the fact that i knew more about 
vital the, the vital business than he did. But I tell you what, he got a couple of guys up there who actually who actually were a bit of ducking divers and they knew what they were doing. And that's who I learned back to back. That's yeah. who I learned that strategy from that person. So that one weekend, which cost me 800 quid, by the way, remember, invest in yourselves, but invest with the right people. Cost me 800 pounds to invest in it that weekend has made me an absolute fortune. Because mm -hmm. yeah. I've still got these six properties today that I bought for £40,000 in total. That's all it cost. Yeah. Think about all the rent I've earned over the last 10 years, because I've had them since 2009 now, and all the price that's gone up since that time as well. All for £800 that I learned from someone. Some of these things I actually learned just going to a free workshop and actually hearing somebody say that out and then just walking away and then just not doing anything else with them. But that wasn't with them. That was just other people I've learned. So it's just, it's I, the one thing I didn't do is I just didn't stop. I got distracted in that couple of years. And then I started to refocus again in 2009 and thought, I need to get, I need to get movement. It's because there's opportunities appearing. I couldn't do anything with our repossessions that we were bringing through. Because you're not allowed to do that. There's conflict yeah. of interest. Um, but I was able to do it with other repossessions that came on the market elsewhere and do it like that. So that was what that was definitely one I picked up. Um, that's a good. That's a good. Um, it's a good example of. Um, do you know, Jim? You see, obviously, investing yourself and go to go to training and uh, training courses and things with the right people, obviously. But I think a lot of people go to these and they come out thinking, "Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this," and try and overdo it. And and what you taught me is, even if you take maybe two, possibly three things, or even if it is just the one thing from that and incorporate it into what you do. Yeah. And if it works, then it's it's worth it's worth your time. It was worth the, the cost of whatever the course was. Absolutely. If you could implement that to your advantage, yeah. I've always said, and it's the one thing everybody laughs about me. It's like I would go to the opening of it and envelope if it furthered my cause. Yeah, genuinely, just to learn that one big thing from someone, just one thing, it would change a wee bit of my direction. It's like having it's like having the you know the typical when you used to light the the paper with your magnifying glass in the sun. It's yeah. like that's what it was. I just wasn't in line with the sun yet. And then what happens is when I got when I started to move the magnifying glass, which was get further training, further information, further advice on where we are right now, then I started to move it. The sun shone and it lit the paper and I was on fire again. Yeah. Here we go again. There was another book I read, actually, which was Andy Shaw. Money for nothing and property for free. Yeah. And that went on the back of that as well and actually reinforced what I was doing was the right way forward in order to build it again. So I bought these six properties um, at that time. One of the other lessons I learned was, and this was, I said, yeah, I was in the state at that time, essentially 21, I was still running that. But one of the things I did learn was how, for want of a better word, how rubbish other estates are at negotiating. <laughs> it's like, it was comical sometimes. Because I, I remember going out, I remember going out to Queen Margaret Drive in Glenrothes. Okay, yeah. now I inquired about this property online on this estate agent's website, and it was on a hundred thousand pounds. And I inquired about a four-bedroom mid-terrace. Okay, a hundred grand it was on it at that time. That's quite a lot for them. And I inquired with them because I thought, okay, I'll look at this and see what I can see if I can add value. Because it, it was four bedroom, four bedrooms, good return. Yeah. So I inquired with them. And immediately when I inquired, they announced that the seller's in a distressed position. <laughs> They've committed to a new deal. And this, this, this property sale's fallen through and it's come back on the market. She needs it sell, she needs it sold desperately. And I'm like, and I'm like, oh my God, this is her agent is volunteering all this information to me. And I've never even asked that. I just phoned yeah. to inquire about the hundred thousand level. And now they're they're just, just they just tell me it's possible. So what did I do? Even better, they sent me around to do the viewing with the buyer, with the seller. <laughs> After telling you the situation. And I tell you, here's the lesson I learned when I was on that course. Here's another lesson I learned. And what it was, was walk in the door, shake their hand, introduce yourself, let them spill their guts, and then say, what's your mortgage right now? And she said, 75,000. And I said, have I cleared your mortgage? Have we got a deal? She went, absolutely. <laughs> and that's how you do it, yeah. You're having a laugh. That's what I learned on that course. Yeah. 
if you clear your mortgage, we've got a deal. And I was gobsmarked. 25 grand off just yeah. like that. All because, all because the, the estate agent told me, and then all because the next one was the, the seller told me when I walked in the door as well, the person the position they were in. I desperately need rid of it. I've committed to a new build, I have to buy it. I don't know what to do. And then I just says, Well, what's your mortgage? 75 grand. If I clear that, we've got a deal. Absolutely. Job done. That's another lesson. And yeah. this still happens today, believe it or not. There's there's times I've honestly, and I've been buying actively, you know that, where I've yeah. done this strategy right now in the last year or two, and it, the same thing's happened. And I I I am appalled at the other estate agents how they're letting this happen. They have yeah. no idea what's happening. I've got a one-bedroom in Cooper, and literally it was on 80,000. No, it was on a 60,000 pound for a one-bedroom in Cooper. Mm -hmm. And I just said, do you think you'll accept 45,000? And it was on with the agent. And the person came direct to a property sourcer, and, and they had them down to 50. And I says, well, just offer her 45,000. And she went, I'm not taking that. I'll take 45,500. <laughs> okay, you've got a deal. <laughs> and I'm like, you're joking. And they had to go back to their estate agent saying, I've sold it when you couldn't sell it. And I've sold it for 45 grand. And you've got on at 60. Even as my estate, even as the stage, and I'd be going, Do you not think we should really put it down to 55 and see how we get on? Because it's another yeah. 10 grand, and I might get it shifted for that figure yeah. it would drop by five. No, they just, just like took an embarrassment and took the fee. You see how, as an estate agent, I know what goes on with every other estate agent. Yeah. That's why the kind of that's why a lot of them don't like me. Because I call <laughs> them out, I call them out for who they are, Richard. They're, yeah. they're, they're charlatans. Um, people, they people like they don't like being held to task and and, and showed up for what really I've, is going on. I've got no, I've got no, I've got no qualms about what I, do. I love what I do and I love getting the result. Yeah. It's a sport for me. I love getting the best possible result, even more for a seller, even even for a buyer as well, and getting a win-win deal for them. But I'm not on a stage where you just phone me up and say, you know, you know, what will I do? Will I just offer that? And yeah, okay. And I'll just take it to them. And and it's like you may as well just go and do it yourself. Yeah. It's like there's no point in that if if you just if, if all your agent is doing is just taking the message and passing it on to you and let, letting you decide without actually doing any you know upsell and pushing the price up and manipulation. Negotiation and, on and your behalf. I mean, to be honest, it's, it's a bit of manipulation as well because we're clever. We know the psyche of people yeah. and how that works. But I don't think I, I would. I would take a bet that no one else actually knows that because they don't. They go. They don't continually improve and continue to develop their knowledge and their wealth and their experience. They don't develop that at all. They just like oh, we're selling the house and put it on the internet, hope for the best, and if we get an offer, great stuff, and that's see it. Comes, you just see what comes. Yeah. yeah, that's kind. That's kind of where they are. But you see that because then as soon as we do something that's successful, they copy it. Um, that, that's obvious. Um, and that's always been since the beginning. They've always copied. Yeah. The biggest flatter possible, flattery possible is probably when people copy yeah. you. You can't be upset. You, must, you know you're doing something right. Um, but that's what, I, that's what I'd learned. That's what the, See all these examples like before about I'll get you 40,000 for your one-bedroom flat. And it's like, well, why are you phoning up with an offer at 36,000 then? Yeah. And that was another one. So you see how I built, I'm building it, beginning to build a profile of how estate agents deal with people as a seller and also as a buyer. Mm -hmm. And then thinking, God, I could blow them out of the water easily. Hence the reason why I say everybody should just sell us. Yeah. <laughs> no, everybody's going to, because you're not, you're just not. I would, I would desperately say a lot of people just, they just can't afford us, if that makes sense, but they yeah. can't afford not to use us. Because they don't realise the thousands are losing at the end result, but that's entirely up to them how they think. Yeah, I think that's what that's the important thing as well. And I try to explain that to people that yeah. maybe are on, are on the other side of the fence. It's, it's the end result. It's the end result. It's funny, got rough. I got for seventy five. I got I got a remortgaged actually um, at eighty five back to back. So yeah. you know, I got I got a good deal of it. Hence the reason why I got forty grand locked in. And in terms of that, and then it came to the other ones as well. You know, I got a two bedroom flat in Methil. Um, that was on, um, yeah, that was it. That was valued at fifty-seven. I got it for fifteen grand less. Yeah, and then did the same back to back and had another one. Um, another one, Glen Office, three bedroom in terraced. 
um, that was valued at 80. I got it for 19,000 less. Now, these are genuine offers yeah. that I'm putting to people. And they're saying, yeah, it's a great exit strategy for me. It was I wasn't going around saying to people, you know, oh, I can only offer you this, I can only offer you that. They, that's what they wanted. And that's yeah, what they I was wanted. Just say, do you think people were accepting low, such lower offers because maybe the, 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 the situation, obviously, like the, on the back of the... Um, the credit crunch and all the rest of it. Do you think that we had an, an impact on that, or do you think it was just um... no, just their personal circumstances? I mean, yeah. a couple of them. I mean, your property. You know that that yeah. was somebody their, yeah. their sale fell through. It was at that price anyway. Um, mm-hmm. And I said, well, I'll, if I give you that price, would you? Will you just still want to go ahead because it makes sense yeah. for me? I never ever see when I saw when, every time I see our properties coming on. I never ever took advantage of that. I actually just left it. I thought, oh, good, that's a good property, and then I would just sit and wait to see if anybody else would pick it up. Most of them actually got picked up by someone else, but there was one or two that maybe, you know, they fell through because the other person couldn't afford it, and then I would just step in and say, look, you know, I'll buy it at that price if you want. I'm okay yeah. with that price because my numbers work. Uh, so I made it to happen, happen for a lot of people. Um, this was another one. Um, well, another one, it was 80, and I got it for 90, 19 off um, in Glenrothes. So I bought it for 61, and I got a remortgage at 80. Therefore, all money back out, no money down deal. Still got that one today, and the next one as well. You know, four, uh, three bedroom lower flat in Methil, um, got for sixty five, um, and that was that was a classic of the sixty five. You know, like fell through. I picked it up and said, "I'll pay you sixty five for it." Then I'm fine with that. Lo and behold, I did some background background work in that with other comparable that I'd recently sold once it was about to sell sell and I was able to get a valuation from a surveyor at the 75,000 and made the back-to-back perfect. Um, so that's it. The difficulty of that is then what happened was, uh, is that the sixth one? You know, one, two, three, four, five, six, yeah. So that was a few more. Eh? Uh, that was a few more. Yeah, I started actively buying since then. And then also in 2010, I, I bought another one. Yeah, actually, I got another one that did the same shot. I almost did it quite a, quite a few times. It was still in existence, I. I never just did it six times. I did it a few more times. Um, another one, I got a uh, Kenaway, two-bedroom house. You know that one. We've still got it today. Yeah. yeah. Um, I got that for 60, 50, 53. That's good. Mortgaged it up at 70. Got it for 53. Yeah. And we've um, only just recently, I think, uh, done the refurb on that. Yeah, we done it all. Um, for when you bought it, it would have been the, the well to think about it. That was that was 2010. We've only recently done a three a, yeah. a refurb. Therefore, I was basically getting that for free, and then I was making money on it for the last ten years. And then it's only now I've actually put in for the refurb and done the kitchen, bathroom, and all the decoration and carpet and everything. Oh, the 2020, so, 2020, so yeah, you got the ten years. Yeah, so it shows you. It shows you well. Think about 10 years at 500 pounds, so 500 pounds, 6,000, 60 grand. I, I got more income, I got more rent out of that than I actually paid for it. Yeah, good deal, eh? Yeah, did come back to haunt me in some sort of way because in 2016, Inland Revenue sent me a letter and said, You've sold a lot of houses in 2010, and we've not got any capital gains tax for that. <laughs> and I'm like, No. <laughs> <laughs> and then I looked and I thought, oh, no, that was the back-to-back stuff. So I had to actually educate them and send them a spreadsheet to the HMRC and tell them how it was done. And they went, husband and wife transaction, can't do anything about that. Husband and wife transaction, inland revenue, can't do anything about that at all because it's love, favour and affection. That's the rule under the under the legislation. Yep, love, favour and affection. You can gift stuff to your spouse. You can pass stuff, transfer stuff back and forth between spouse. It is a great advantage being married. Um, and that's trust, still the case. I mean, there's there's no change in that. Trust me. If you're uh, and 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 I'm I, I'm a right I'm a right charmer, especially with um, Valentine's Day coming up soon. If you if you've listened to my original story about how why Elaine and I got married, as I ran home from college one day and realised that we were losing out in five hundred pound a year tax allowance because we weren't married. <laughs> so we better get married, and within two weeks we were married on the 29th of March, just before the end of the tax year. <laughs> <laughs> you old charmer it's like I, we, we lived together for five years before then but I, then yeah. I realised when I did accountancy that oh my god we're losing 500 quid a year we've lost two and a half grand we could have got free tax free 
And all because we were only married. And we had always thought, ah, just a bit of paper. And mm -hmm. literally, because we always felt, we've always been like that with each other. Um, but logically, why would you know then if you're, if you're getting yeah. all these tax advantages? So it's a huge tax advantage actually to be married, especially if you're investing um, in, that, in that scenario. So to put a clinical face on it, by the way, um, I, I know people are like, oh, that's no right and all the rest of it. It's like, right, that's your beliefs. I've always learned by the lesson, there's your version of events, there's my version of events, and then there's the truth. Remember yeah. that. That's a really important lesson I learned recently on a, on a podcast, actually, Diary of a CEO. The one I'm listening to now for Diary of a CEO is uh, uh, Steve Peters, um, the, the Chimp Paradox. Yeah, that's a, that's a brilliant one where he talks about that. He, he talks about people's beliefs and why they do what they do. And he says, you know, you know the trauma and how he gets people over trauma uh, and how he, he gets them to live, learn to live with it. Like, for example, you know, he talks about he talked about this morning. He says, you know, I could never change anybody. I could never change anybody's opinion about losing a child. He says it's, it's and he says he's honest with him. He says it's the worst. It will be. It is the worst thing that will probably ever happen to you. Mm -hmm. I can't. It, it won't go away in time. It will be with you for the rest of your life. What we have to do is develop coping mechanisms to manage the grief that you'll have for the rest of your life. And you will, because I've known I've known a few people that have gone through this, and it never it never goes. It never really. They just learn to cope with it and live with it. Yeah, which is quite, which is a really difficult thing. But um, again, it's about the worst thing in the world. Yeah, I've heard people say it. It's like I've been at funerals where they've lost their son, and the father would turn round and say, "You know, it's probably one of the worst things you would ever want for anybody. Yeah. You'd never want to happen to anybody because because to have your own Children go before you. It's just like you couldn't even comprehend that. I was just going to say it's in incomprehensible, really. That's, yeah. that's, that's how some people. I can see how some people can never ever get over that, and they're in complete trauma for the rest of their life. But do you see how you can learn from these lessons that other people have that you don't need to go through, but you can actually learn about that and how that affects other people. And how you could have empathy for someone else, not sympathy because you're not going through it, but how you could be empathetic towards someone else's challenge that they're going through and the needs that they need and understanding more than anything by learning from something that's happened to someone else without needing to have it happen to yourself. That's a, that's a powerful message for anybody who understands how that is. That's a real good lesson. So that's where we were. And then, oh God, the worst thing happened ever. Um, let's not dwell on it too much. Let's get on and say this. So I'm sitting one morning outside this old terrace and leaving, and the houses are now getting built across the road, you know, yeah. that I sold the land off. It's the plot, yeah. To my, to my friend, one of my best friends. I didn't realise what was going on. I, I knew he was in a difficult place, a, a dark space. And then his son comes over to me and I rolled in the window and he says, he's dead. Sorry? What do you mean? Who's dead? He's dead. Killed himself. He's young. And I, did, I didn't think I could ever comprehend that. Yeah. And I think... And when I looked back, I thought, was there anything I could have done about that? Maybe there was, maybe there wasn't, but it haunts me to this day. Yeah. And the fact that he just, he just one day, just, and, and, and Christ Almighty, to be in that mindset and to do that, and it's like people say it's the coward's way out, but they don't understand where you are with that. Yeah. And it's the very fact that he actually went on his knees and tied a noose on the door handle and just leant forward. Never even jumped, just leant forward on the door. So, the door. yeah, and to be fair, in that kind of situation, if he wanted to stop, he could have. Do you know what I mean? Like you're saying, it's not, but it obviously didn't. I've been, because... there, I've been there, Richard. I've been mm -hmm. there. He, he always talked about it. He always looked at his friends and his photograph, and he says, look, these two have hung themselves as well. 
I'm the only one left. And I'm like, I didn't realize that there was something going on. I just thought, yeah. I just thought he was talking about the bazaar. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, that was it. One day he was here, the next day he wasn't. He? And then that's when I saw the trauma that cascaded later on from that. And, and what happened to his family and his children and how it affected them. That the, then I guess that then I guess and I and the, then I guess stopped me doing it because I think we've seen, seen what happens the aftermath of what that causes to your the people I, that you leave behind. You come, I came dangerously close to it. Mm-hmm. You don't understand how dangerously close it was. I was there was one point I was really envious of what he had done because mm-hmm. he managed to get out of it. He managed to get off that wheel. He managed to get out of that. The pain went away. So you can imagine, you I don't you you probably never be able to imagine the pain it goes on in somebody inside. It feels like that at that point in time. Yeah. It it just wants it to go away at any cost. Um, but the only thing it kept me going was the thinking about the ramifications that how it, you know what? See, even in that point, everybody says it's selfish, and it's not. It's actually you still think about the other people it'll affect. Um. And and that's how I, I I completely get and understand people in that situation now, because of the, because of what I've gone through myself. Now this was later on, and we might talk about that journey later on in some sort of shape or form. Yeah. But for now, we're only talking about this point in time. But I knew it, this is the dark space that I was in as well. Uh, but I didn't know at that time I was ever going to get to that point where I would actually really, yeah, it's a real viable option to do this. But yep. it's, it's it's strange to think, and it's probably, I mean, not for you, because obviously you, you look back, but for, from my perspective, it's strange to think that um, you could actually be in such a place to actually go to that extent, but people do. Do you know what it's like? It's, and, and it happens. Uh, there's a link in here, actually, to the Samaritans, if anybody's oh, sure. to speak to them or anything like that, if anybody's feeling like that as well, um, and there's a free phone number as well in there. Um, I, 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 for me, I know it was a product of the working back to back all the time, constantly over the last, I don't know, probably over since I was 20 uh, up to that point. So 20, you're talking about 18, 20 years. You're talking about 20, 25 years of that constantly Continu- all the time. Continuous. Uh, it's going to catch up in you at some point in time. And then getting to the point where you've actually boxed yourself in a corner where you've no light at the end of the tunnel. Now you can see. Now you can see when you've got no light at the end of the tunnel, there is effectively only one way out. Um, for for these for people in that situation, it's I I I, I could see why that that could be. What I would say to everybody out there though is, tomorrow is another day, and I know it's cliche and all the rest of it, but yeah. you won't because I'm not that person now. And I'm God, could you imagine what would have happened if I'd done that? Yeah, That's I like, think the, the important thing is to get yourself a position where you realise you need to speak to somebody in order to help you out of that mindset. You can only help yourself, and and it really is about actually just opening up and talking to somebody at yeah. least. Uh, and and if they don't give you, you know, if some people are on the anybody out there that think they could resolve the situation, they can't. You you need to go to proper counselling. You need mm-hmm. to speak to the right people. You need to actually have the right person on your side. Now, I'll be honest, the the, the, the social services system the now is diabolical. The one thing we don't have is labour. And I mean by that is um, the, the manpower or the woman power to have the proper psychologists at hand. By the time you actually see someone, it's six months down the line and it's too late by then. Yeah. If, you, if you were going to do something, you'd do something. I mean, I've, I've known uh, friends, kids that have actually gone and done it. And it's like, oh, my God. To have that and to have to, you know, that, that's unbearable. Yeah, that's even worse that you'd have to live with. That I, I just that's that's it would be truly difficult to do to do that, I, to even go on to be able to go on. Um, I can't imagine what that'd be like for someone. It'd probably be ten times more than what I was going through. Um, I, I know people. Way. I know people that have been through that situation, and you do notice that um, they lose a wee bit of their self. Um, I don't think they'll ever really get back. Well, that's, that's your children, isn't it? It's yeah. like 
you've you've had them it's like that's so for me with all these life lessons and everything I've learned and what's happened and my best friend doing that yeah you know um it, it kind of puts a bit a different perspective in your life it kind of puts a more focus on you know when is enough enough yeah and and will it ever be enough and I think you have to come to the conclusion that there is only so much money you can make and the rest is just for show. And is the show really worth it? So do you I, think that... You get, you get to my age, it's like, nah, it's not really. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, so do you think that brought you to a stage of kind of like maybe re-evaluation of, of where you currently were in terms of... Yeah, absolutely. Re-eval- well, I, but you've got to remember, I'm I'm a machine that keeps going all the time. Mm-hmm. I yeah. have a, You have a lack of control as well for 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 doing that all your life and trying to stop and do something else completely different is 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 just as difficult um in your in your head because it's it's this you've got to master everything else will work it's this you've got to master yeah and understand that and understand coping mechanism in terms of what you need to do i think that's the most important thing you've got to understand out of this and then the pile on as well was and we're, we're probably going to finish the show at this episode for the How I Lost My First Million. Yeah. But, but the next steps out of that was I decided to leave Century 21 because my franchises were up. I let it run for another year because I didn't know how to get out of it because everything was everything was linked into it. So everything was linked yeah. into it. Like my career was linked into it. My, uh, you know, all my website were aligned. Were I had no idea how to build a website. I had no idea who to use. I had no money <laughs> to do these things. That's the difficulty. So it was almost like, i tell you what it was like at the end of it, when it was getting towards the end. I felt like I was in an abusive relationship where, where the other party, who was the master franchiser, was continually taking money off me and expecting me just to keep funding them and, and them actually not giving me any support or help at all. And I was just left to my own devices. And literally all I've got is, is a brand or, or, or a brand that I've built. Not a brand that anybody knew, but a brand that I've built and a website that I could have got for anybody. Um, and we just we just came to the conclusion that, or I came to the conclusion that I need to get out of this. So then I started to, and then I started to ask questions from other people and ask, um, ask you know, who could do this and how could they do it? And just, just, fumble about and see if I could find someone that could actually build a website, someone that could actually maybe do some branding. K2 marketing was brilliant. You know, started um, planning. Yeah, sure. Now, I should have done that ages ago when I knew my five years was up, but unfortunately I'd left it. Yeah. And then because I was out of contract, then they decided to say, I tell you what, because you're out of contract now and you're not signing a new contract, we'll screw you for even more money now. What do you mean? It's like Christ Almighty! I've given you so much. I've given you, yeah. I've given you about two or three hundred thousand in money over the years that I've been with you, and you're still trying to uh, squeeze ring more out of me, basically. Yeah. So I thought enough's enough. I need to get out and all the rest of it. And and then when I started to rebrand, when I started to do everything for myself, um, and we got started for the first time, we started yeah. to take this stuff on. I gave my notice. My my period was out, and then all of a sudden on my doorstep on the Christmas Eve. Yeah. An interdict. You know what an interdict is? You yeah, have to cease trading right now as your current brand because it infringes our brand, Century 21. That's what they did, an interdict. Yeah, I remember. And you know what I did to that? Go and fuck yourself. Because <laughs> 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 because I had now become a man of the world, and I now yeah. began to realise this is how the system works now, and I now began to realise over the years of experience that I had, it's like commercial reality. You're not going to stop me because the company isn't in my name anymore. It's in my wife's name. Mm-hmm. She owns five properties, not me. So your interdict is against me trading as Century 21 or trading as a new state agent, but it's not against my wife, who I am now an employee of. Yeah. And that's how I got around it. But I still had to take it to court. They still had yeah. to take me. They took me to court. They they hanged it against me. I won my court case clearly. I wasn't infringing anything they did. And I spent £15,000 or £20,000 winning that court case. And even though I won, I only got £5,000 back. That's a really good system, isn't it? 
Yeah. You could win your court case and you get 5,000 in damages back from the other party. That's shocking. Absolutely shocking. Uh, and, and you know, that's how the system works, unfortunately. So there was another setback, another £20,000 I had to spend. So see how the tribunal, then there's something else, then there's something else. So just when you think you're getting your head above the water, somebody pushes your head back down. Yeah. That's the resilience you have to have, I think, in, term, in running a business. You have to realise that this happens to everyone. I remember Lionel telling me about it. Lionel had a, a thermal transfer. So thermal transfer was a, a company in Fife. And he had thermal transfer, and he was now the managing director when he employed me as the financial director at Alba Diagnostics. I remember Lionel telling me the day that he was on his bed screaming and crying like a child, genuinely, because he thought there was no end in sight for thermal transfer. It was all going pear-shaped, and it was about to collapse and go into administration. Five years later, he sold it for six million. <laughs> <laughs> There's a there's a case in point, eh? Yeah. It's like, and and that's the sort of thing, the lessons and the people I've spoken to over the years that I've learned the lessons from and the fact that it just tells me there's always a brighter tomorrow. Tomorrow will be another day. Tomorrow's another day. It's a classic example about what Adam Sandler, Robert De Niro, uh, Matthew McConaughey, they all sit around the table and they, you'll probably see it on TikTok and they come up with the phrase that this too shall pass. Yeah. In other words, what's happening today will be completely irrelevant in five years' time. Yeah. You'll not even remember it. It'll not even be part of your psyche. And then when I go back to talk about it now, about what happened before, it's just like it just happened as one of these things. I am. But, but at the time, it was it was it was a lot more. Oh God! Obviously, because it's at the forefront, it's a lot more relevant. But you need to kind of put yourself in the mindset that. Well, like you say, um, further down the line, it's not going to be as prominent and as important. But at the time, I tried to get into my life. Yeah. What I, just wanted, I just wanted to leave. I just had enough. I just, just I couldn't take it anymore. So when you think about where that was to where I am now, mm -hmm. I think, God, it's like... So for that, that should give most people, or nearly everybody, hope that, you know, tomorrow will be a brighter day every single time. Yeah. It literally won't be like that at all, what you think it's going to be like the now. And I, and I think I think that's the lessons I've learned out of the journey I took mm -hmm. and the end of Five Properties. Uh, no. Century 21 and the start of Five Properties, yeah. The end of Century 21 and the start of Five Properties and where we started to begin. Yeah. And after that, it was just almost like a meteoric rise. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because I yeah. then started to do the things I needed to do to build it um, to where I was. But, but that's another story. We'll maybe talk about that another day. Um, I don't think there's anything else I, I need to talk about. You know, I bought another couple of properties in the way. Surprise, surprise. Um, <laughs> I bought I bought my leaving office. That's when I got five properties. Yeah, that was in yeah. 2011. So that's when we changed over. And then I bought another couple of properties, which were actual. Um, aye, they were they were aye, they were fall throughs. They were fall throughs. Right. It happened. You know, it just I, I picked them up. And, but I should have actively. I know in hindsight, I should have actively still kept investing. But again. We're having five properties. It's taking your eye off the ball again. But I yeah. don't regret that. That's never a regret. Um, and where I am now, I don't really regret the journey I've taken. Because what I've learned so far has helped so many people. I mean, there's so there's been people in my situation before that have private messaged me after other things I've done previously yeah. on, Sunday, on Sunday slot shows and talked about it and said that's exactly who I am as well. I've subsequently sent them a fantastic book that helped me understand me. And and it and it's turned them around, yeah. In terms of the way they are. So if I hadn't have gone through that, these people might not have been here today. So you think about the effect of what you're doing has on everyone else, and that's why the most important film and I resonate with is it's a wonderful life. Yeah. Because if it if it wasn't for George Bailey, if it wasn't for Jim Parker, how many people wouldn't be a lot better off? Mm -hmm. as a result yeah and i think that that just it, it's all kind of rounds back to giving back and that's what your 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 whole business set up and your and your own premise on things is to give back to people and give back to community and help people in their journey as well absolutely absolutely yeah.
Let's take a few questions because we're yeah. I'll just quickly zip through TikTok and see if there's anything that's relevant um, for anybody. See the hi, yep, hi, yep. Told them what we're talking about. Somebody's just gonna talk about this watch because I'm looking to buy one. Well, that's a that's a Garmin Foreman 120. That's for a triathlete. <laughs> that's for a triathlete. Um, Uh, must have been good capital appreciation on it as it, as well mate was was it worth it now absolutely worth it absolutely yeah i would never be where i was if it wasn't for that and then the journey i've taken um yeah couldn't buy a garage in london for 65 grand you probably <laughs> maybe get a shared toilet pal um you can buy apparently you can buy a semi-detached house in northern ireland for sixty-five thousand. yet northern ireland had it had its heyday the market yeah. like a stone i only wrote i only know that because one of my production managers was moved over there when we when we took over our sister company uh seagull advanced ceramics and he had to pay a fortune for his for his property at the time and then then it dropped like a stone and he's he's now back and gone up again park kelly and um, so Pat, if you're watching or if anybody knows him fantastic guy everybody will know Pat Kelly's a great guy and um, and that's it thanks very much yeah. for everybody and yeah. that's the end of our episode four um the how I lost my first million yeah I think, I, I think that's that was quite a good roundup Jim uh, right up to like obviously the beginning of a uh, you obviously five properties and the end of obviously that journey uh, what we're going to talk about next week <laughs> <laughs> It's like we're forced to think of something now. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, okay. Well, if uh, everyone joins us next Monday, 12.30, we will continue that journey. Um, Jim, you could think about some uh, points to pick up on. Uh, Listen, there's loads of stuff to talk about. Wealth creation is an ever-evolving thing. So we will be back next week to talk yes. about something which will develop wealth more. If you've got any suggestions about what you'd like us to talk about in terms of wealth creation yeah. or any yeah. ideas, I mean, inflation's a classic. I'm going to talk about inflation tomorrow, but I'm just going to talk about it in general and how it is the most destructive thing to our economy right now and why we need to tackle it. So I will talk about it in a wee, a wee five-minute um, um, podcast tomorrow about what, okay. how inflation is, needs to be kept under control. Good. Right. Okay, Jim, that's great. Thanks. And thanks to everybody who watched and any questions that come through there. That was great. And we'll be back next Monday at 12.30. And I'll say goodbye to the people.